Welcome to Connect, the weekly podcast of the California MBA featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. I'm Susan Malazzo, CEO of the California MBA, and I'm very happy that you could join us today. Before I get to our guest today, I would like to thank our 2023 President's Council sponsors. Now, these are a handful of companies that have given a tremendous amount of financial support to the California MBA in 2023 in large part to help support our advocacy efforts. Advocacy is the cornerstone of what we do at California MBA. We represent the real estate finance industry before the California state legislature and our regulators. So uh, really appreciate the support we get from our President's Council sponsors. This year, our President's Council uh, includes Amerihome, ArchMI, Consolidated Analytics, Funding Shield, Incelerate, Guild Mortgage, Rocket Mortgage, and Western Alliance Bank. Thank you all so much for your support in 2023. And uh, with that, uh, I can turn to today's guest, uh, to an old friend that I haven't seen in a while, uh, Jeff Tesh, uh, CEO of RCN Capital. Jeff, welcome. Susan, it's so good to see you. So good to be back with our friends. Yeah, yeah, this is great. I was so happy when we got this, uh, this set up. Um, I always, uh, I like to get started. Uh, everybody kind of has an interesting journey into this mortgage business. So I always like to get started with a little bit of background as to how my guests got into the mortgage biz. So you, you, you are up. Well, I appreciate that. My story is probably as interesting as anybody's. And you know, it's funny, especially when we're at some of the conferences and you're meeting new people, everybody kind of has the same story. Nobody graduated from whatever high school, college, and said, I want to get in the mortgage business. <laughs> you always just kind of worked your way into it. And my story is no different. Um, so I went to college, got a business degree, and I was always uh, a bit of an entrepreneur. And um, I, I graduated at, at 21 years old and I went to dad and I said, dad, I need you to sign um, a co-guarantor for me because I want to go buy a Subway sandwich shop franchise. <laughs> That's how it worked. I had a ton of Subways in college, and I thought that this would be a great way for me to start making some money. And off I went. Uh, this was in the 90s. Um, we started building some stores. Um, he was nice enough to guarantee that first loan for me. And uh, sure enough, the first store made money, and then I built another, and that one made money, and I built a few more as time went on. And the cool thing about the franchise business was, um, first off, they taught you everything you needed to know. Second thing was, you could build them and you could sell them, oftentimes for more than you actually had invested them, especially if you had built a profitable business. The brand, the trade, um, it was very easy to sell whether or not you own the building. And um, I did that, Susan, for almost 20 years. Um, and it was great. You know, my wife and I have three boys. It, we, we got married out of college and it provided for our family and we did well. And it was wonderful. 
Um, but I always had a bit of a real estate passion to me. So with some of the money that I made along the way doing the franchises, I invested in real estate. Um, I was never a flipper. Um, that mm -hmm. wasn't my thing. Uh, but I bought some rental properties. And um, it was always really cool to me that you could go to a bank, they give you a loan, you buy the rental property, you put your money down. And over the course of that term of the mortgage, you never paid for the for the mortgage. It was yeah. the tenant paying your mortgage. And then when the mortgage was paid off, you own the house. Now, obviously I'm making it sound a whole lot more simple than it is, but it was true miracle. So that was kind of my real estate investing side of things. And um, I had the opportunity to learn about financing doing that. And then along came, you know, the financial crisis as, as it's referred to, 2007, eight, nine. Um, and I, in my business circles, I had a very dear friend who owned a software company, very wealthy guy. And we got to talking about opportunities. And um, what we came up with was this was an incredible time to build a business lending to investors who were buying all of these distressed assets from banks. Mm -hmm. As we all remember in this business, the banks didn't want to own houses. They wanted them off their balance sheet just as right. quick as they could. The trouble right. was, as investors like myself, it's very hard to get financing. And um, the fragmented asset, like hard money, asset-based lending, it was a terrible business. It was a, I, I experienced it myself. It was brutal to find financing. So we thought, let's take a very fragmented product and build a very specific niche business around that specific asset-based lending product, which is lending to investors, buying distressed assets, giving the money to purchase the home, giving them the money to fix the home, more importantly, and then they sell into the marketplace for families to live in. And uh, Susan, that's how we started in 2010 with one product and really trying to build a business around it. We Turns out we were successful at, uh, and I sold off my franchises over the next few years. and. That's what we've been doing for the past 13 years and uh, really proud of, of what we've built. What an incredible story. I had no idea that you were in, uh, had Subway franchises before the mortgage yeah. business. That's, that Subway, is very- Subway, Subway sandwich artist to, to uh, mortgage lender. Uh, who would ever guessed it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, that is a, definitely right up there with the most interesting paths into the mortgage industry for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, you've been, you know, as you'd shared in this business for a good long while, of course, 2023, very challenging year uh, for lenders. Where are people seeing opportunities in the real estate market despite rate increases and kind of the ongoing turbulences? Yeah, so I'll kind of take that question from, you know, the RCN angle. So we're a non-owner occupied lender, right? We only loan to investors, which in today's marketplace is actually an area of lending that is doing very well. Uh, investors are still continuing to buy assets across the country, whether it be on the East Coast or in the, our West Coast operation there in Culver City, folks are, folks are buying assets. Now, the interesting thing to, to really kind of drill down on the opportunity part of the thing is, Folks today aren't necessarily buying the buy, fix, and sell 
the way they used to. And a lot of this is because of the challenging time that homeowners are having qualifying for the mortgages, right? As all of our friends that are certainly on this call today are feeling that pain with folks not qualifying because of the, the rise in interest rates. So a lot of our customers have transitioned to more buy stabilized properties and rent them out. Um, and and I, I must tell you, Susan, that side of our business has really, really exploded over the past few years. It started during COVID, but as it's worked its way uh, post-COVID, and I guess that's where we are now, um, folks uh, that were buying, fixing, and selling flippers, they're now buying, sometimes repairing, depends, and then holding for stabilized rental income over the long term. So we've been very successful providing that sort of stabilized debt to folks who are building out uh, rental portfolios. And really it's coast to coast. I mean, you don't see it on the immediate coast. The, the, the debt to income doesn't really pencil out for the high dollar properties. But once you move inland, certainly the South, all of our friends in Arizona, Texas, Carolinas, even the Midwest, Ohio, Illinois, um, folks are buying the this stabilized housing and providing good, clean housing for families to live in. That's incredible. I mean, that's a uh, um, a great a, a great tool for the industry to kind of you know help those you know help you know not everybody can be a homeowner right away, and some people do need to rent. You're giving investors the opportunity to provide that into the into the market. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, it's interesting. You know, when families start to grow, um, and some of this, I think, it goes back to the 2007, 8, 9. They saw some of the struggles that that their parents went through owning a home. Not everybody sure. wants to own a home anymore, but most people do want a backyard. Uh, yeah. Not everybody, but most people do. And this transition from a multifamily concept to uh, a single family concept for uh, as a rental has proven to be very successful, uh, not only for the for the occupants, but certainly for the the landlords who are are building out these nice businesses. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, you know, you've had uh, not only um, experience and leadership in the mortgage industry, but also in uh, in another another industry before you even got here. I think it's it's one thing being a leader when markets are hot and kind of there's lots of money to be made uh, versus being a leader in a year that's maybe more challenging. What can you share with leaders as you know some some tricks of the trade to kind of navigate some difficult markets? Well, you know, it always goes back to our core here at RCN, which is the, the, the foundation of our company, which is the employees. And, you know, it's interesting. As we've grown this company in, in an area of lending that is not readily understood or easy to hire into, I, you know, if I put an ad in Scotsman Guide and say, I want an experienced underwriter who's done a ton of experience and buy fix and sell loans i get no applications right that's just where it is so yes. as we have built the company over the past 13 odd years we have really focused on trying to empower our employees to be the best that they can and a lot of that means we invest in them to help grow our company because 
frankly, we're just not going to the outside to hire. I mean, obviously we grow, so we must bring people in, but inevitably we bring a lot of people in from outside the mortgage world to help us grow our company. And then we rely on those, those employees to help build the company over time, transitioning through growth opportunities internally. Um, so to answer your question, during these difficult times, what do we focus on? We focus on the employees. We, we really spend a lot of time working on process and procedures in ways that are gonna make us better for when the, the next refi boom comes along or the next spike in, in volume comes from reduced rates. That's the way we've done it. We did it during COVID, which was the most challenging time, yeah. especially the summer of 2020. I mean, it's just brutal, right? Um, not knowing where the market was gonna go. It, that was kind of the playbook, Susan. We really just focused internally. And I would urge whether or not you're a banker, a lender, any sort of entrepreneur in, in, in the United States, if you take the time to focus on your employees and finding ways for them to grow internally in your organization, the return for you will be beyond your wildest expectations. Um, and, and that's what we've kind of done when times get tough. We just kind of hunker down, circle the wagons and focus internally. And um, obviously, you know, watching all of our monies and making sure we're careful with outside expenditures. But other than that, we really turn inward to make sure that we're setting ourselves up for the next great run. Investing in your people. I mean, that's great advice to anybody. 100%. Uh, and it really crosses all industries. Yeah. All industries ebb and flow with volume. And if you can make sure that you're set up in such a way that when times slow down, that you focus internally, when, when things pick back up, it works. I, I tell you, we've always done it, but we really saw it during yeah. COVID. I mean, there was a point there in that late spring, summer when we were almost doing no lending. And uh, boy, when we hit the ground running come the fall of 2020, we were off to the races and uh, it, it really worked out great. That year was definitely a roller coaster for us all, but uh, great advice for, uh, for leaders uh, in really, in, like you say, in any industry. Absolutely. So kind of thinking back to, you know, this year and, and what we're kind of going through, how are investors leveraging alternative lending products like non-QM mortgages, um, private money lending to be successful in today's market? Yeah, I mean, certainly investors today have the same challenges as homeowners, which is getting their loan to pencil out, right? Like the investor has no different challenge than the homeowner, which is, they have a certain amount of income, they have a certain amount of uh, return on equity that they expect, and if the deal doesn't work, the deal doesn't work. Um, what investors are doing today is they're kind of going to that playbook that they went to years ago, which is ways of finding deals that they may not have utilized in recent times you know, going more to probate, looking at different um, auctions that might be tax lien sales, things like this, ways that investors can find properties in different areas that 
pencil out. I mean, that's really the key, Susan, is not going to that same old playbook over and over again. As Listen, we all love the MLS. That's where the properties are. But the deals in today's marketplace are few and far between, uh, whether you're an investor or a homeowner. You really got to dig a little deeper to find those those homes. And and typically when you do, you end up buying it right. And, and all the money as an investor today is is made on the on on the purchase. It's it's that's where you make it. Um, because as is well documented in the United States. Even with this rise in interest rates, we still don't have enough homes to satisfy the demand, even with the reduced demand uh, in all geographic regions of the U.S. Right. Yeah. Huge, huge supply is huge issue in California. Absolutely. We're uh, taking a look at some things we can support legislatively that'll help increase our supply. But you're right. That that's that's a even if that happened, it's still a long time to come to fruition where they're actually on the market. It sure is. And, you know, I, I, it's interesting in California, an area where a ton of investors have kind of migrated is finding homes that have the ability to add an accessory dwelling unit. Yeah. Um, the success that investors have had in these ADUs, I, Susan, I can't understate just how big a return an investor can have when they find that home that maybe has a detached garage or the ability to do construction on the lot to add that ADU, uh, the return is spectacular. It really is. And with the legislation that was passed a few years back, allowing these ADUs pretty much in any geography in, in the state of California, boy, the investors have ripped. And it, overall, it's helping solve that problem that you just touched on, right? Which is yep. not enough housing um adding the additional units in often tightly packed urban areas it really really helps solve the problem investors we love it at, at, at rcn right because the deals pencil out like the investor can't help but make money and once again it goes to the greater good which is solving the problem so uh and I would say this, if there's one takeaway from, from, from this webinar today, uh, work, with, work, work, work hard with investors that are looking at ADUs. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Wow, good advice. That's good advice. That's kind of a, a newer entrant into our market here, but I've, I've heard some similar things from other, from other people. So that's, uh, I think, great advice to share. Um, you know, speaking of advice, you've had a, a long, successful uh, career in financial services. What advice would you give to a, a young mortgage professional just starting out? Oh, uh, relationships, uh, without a doubt. Relationships are key. And certainly uh, the CMBA does a great job of help bringing up youth into your organization through all the different initiatives that the CMBA has done out, whether it be networking or mentorship. Um, your Rolodex, I assume some people still know what a Rolodex is. <laughs> really <Look> it, is. <laughs> it really is your network, net worth. And when you start out in the business, you don't have a database of contacts. You just don't. Yeah. And it's funny, 
Uh, we often call it at RCN, connect the dots, right? Like you meet one person here and you tell them your story. And they say, oh, well, I know this person over here in Oakland. They can help you. Or you meet somebody in Oakland, they say, oh, I know somebody down in San Jose who can, who can certainly give you a leg up. It's that sort of networking that you just can't put a price on. And as easy it is, is to just stay on your phone and click. And it, I got to tell you, the power of the handshake, especially when you're first getting started, uh, it is an incredibly powerful tool. And when, when you show up at an event and, and make your case for whatever it is you're trying to do in that industry, people want to support you. It's human nature. Uh, we like to see other people succeed. Uh, networking is hands down the easiest way that you can get started to a very successful career. Great advice. Uh, definitely, definitely a relationship-based industry. I guess most are, but certainly I've seen it in the mortgage industry in the time I've had this this role for sure. Sure. Um, you know, RCN uh, and you personally have been uh, big supporters of the California MBA, for which I'm very grateful. Thank you so much. Speaking of networking, we were just talking about our mutual friend, Don Curtis, who connected us all those years ago now. Um, uh, can you share with the uh, with our listeners why you support the California MBA? Well, listen, folks, here's the thing. It, in troubled times, and, you know, as lenders, we're in troubled times right now. Your trade association going to bat for you is hands down the, the, the number one way that your interests are going to be protected. Uh, you know, up in Sacramento, most individuals and most companies don't have the bandwidth to be able to understand what's happening to make sure that your interests are being protected. And as a lender, especially with a national footprint like RCN, we, we don't know what's happening up in Sacramento. But I know that the CMBA has my back to make sure that whatever initiatives are being put forth, they are pro-lending and pro-banker in the state of California. The membership is everything. They're professionals. They know what's going on. And uh, we, we just... We can't be a bigger supporter. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, advocacy is the cornerstone of what we do. We're very proud of it. And Jeff, thank you so much for being on Connect. It's been a pleasure to reconnect with you. Thank you so much, Susan. Great to see you. And thanks to all of you for joining us on Connect. Uh, to access any of our past episodes, you can follow us on our YouTube channel. We're also available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. That's it for this week, and we'll see you next time on Connect.